Okay, uh, Dr. Chandas, once again, thanks for coming uh, on. You're welcome. All right. So um, I will put links after in, in, in when I post this video about your books, about your site on the, on, on the internet. Good. Okay. So I'd like to start, uh, Dr. Jones, in your opinion, pandemic or plandemic we're living? It's obvious that this is a, a form of psychological warfare, biological warfare being waged against the entire human race. Uh, I just got, uh, for the past four days, the top story on Google has been the uh, pandemic pandemic. Uh, outbreak in India. Yeah. Uh, the worst possible scenario is taking place in India. The hospitals are full, no oxygen, people are dying. Until you call the uh, person there, I have a contact there in Delhi. Delhi is supposed to be the epicenter of this. He says it's not happening. It's just not there. It's all just news. So I think what what is really going on here is that the entire world has reached herd immunity. All of the cases are going down at a time when they're still ramping up the vaccines. And so they have to create these artificial pandemics uh, in places like India in order to sell the vaccines. So given that, okay, this is my friend uh, living in Delhi, uh, part of the middle class, uh, which has a special meaning in Delhi because they're to, there to manage the large bulk of the population for the oligarchs, largely outside the country in things like the garment industry. And uh, so he hires a cook and the cook comes in, uh, cooks a couple days. And the last time he saw her, she told him that the, um, her other clients were pressuring her to get vaccinated. Uh, so the poor lady goes and gets vaccinated. She immediately gets sick and now they haven't seen her for a week. So who knows, she may be dead. This is this is this is what's going on in India. First-hand account of what's going on in India. Doctor Jones, I was born in. Are you hearing me? Yes, I hear you. I was born in Portugal. Uh, by the time, uh, predominantly uh, a Catholic country. Nowadays, not so much, as you probably know, in America too. Uh, I was raised as a uh, as a Catholic. Uh, later in my youth. I became, as you used, as you used to say, a revolutionary. Yes. Kind of, kind of. I suppose you too. Well, I decided, like most part of of other, of my age, embrace in a sense my share of what we can say the enjoyments of life. Meaning that gradually I left the church. Uh, I mean. There was and there still is a whole world beyond uh, the catechism teachings. Above all, of course, sex. We want to have sex with women. And uh, of course, we all used to have to lose to 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 abandon in a, in a sense the church. I was also at the time uh, disappointed with all uh, that uh, way of living at, uh, at the parish. I mean, everything was about money and about the properties of the church. The same I can say as to the Vatican uh, with all that wealth uh, in a sense ostentation, let's let, let, sort of speak. Uh, well, as I became older, I was even thinking in most recent years about even erased all my registers at the parish and shut down all my entire relation with the church. And guess what? On May 2019, I mean, it's about two years now. Uh, I was listening into a web radio show uh, broadcast from England, and the guy was was uh, announcing Dr. E. Michael Jones. And for the first time, I was hearing things I never heard before like God is in control of human history, like pornography as a form of control. And above all, and despite I understand you were assuming yourself being as a, a Catholic, 
you were criticizing the church and the Vatican. In the same day, I took the decision. I suspend that idea of erasing my Catholic past. And um, in the following days and months until now, I've been following your work and sharing your opinions and your books. And um, I've gathering a lot of enemies on, on, on the social media. Uh, then again came this pandemic. And I was disappointed with the church. Imagine we didn't have those annual celebrations of Fatima when thousands of people coming from all over the world. I mean, the church was, in my opinion, absolutely capitulating in front of all this crisis. There, there was no response of the church. There were no, there were no mass. People were staying at home, uh, regretting the fact that there was, there was no, even no, no mass. What can you tell me, Dr. Jones, to still embrace, in a sense, the church and all this? I mean, I've never abandoned the, the teachings of Jesus Christ, in a sense. But what, what can you tell me? What can we do? What, how can we face all this thing we are living right now or, or at least since one year ago? Well, thanks for telling that story. You made my day. I lots, did. Of, lots of times I feel I've just wasted my time. My, my favorite, <laughs> my favorite prayer is, Lord, uh, we have labored all night and caught nothing. That's the way writers yeah. feel oftentimes. Okay. Uh, but uh, what you're saying is that that's not the case. And what you're saying is that uh, basically consciousness has has arisen. Uh, to get back to the church immediately, there's a parable that I've always used uh, uh, in various circumstances, the parable of Christ in the boat. Uh, that boat is being tossed about by storms on the sea. And the apostles are on the boat and the storm keeps getting worse and suddenly they feel they're all going to die. And at that point, they go to Jesus and wake him up. He's asleep in the back of the boat and they wake him up and they say, don't you care that we're all going to die? And Jesus stands up and he calms the waves. And then he says, where is your faith? Uh -huh. Well, that boat is the church. All the church fathers said that. Uh, at the beginning of Christianity. The church is always tossed about by waves uh, because the devil stirs up trouble on this earth. And it always seems that Jesus Christ is asleep when you're going through a struggle. And that's why you need faith because most of the time during these struggles, you can't see any way out. That's why they're troubles, okay? The, the, the thing we have to keep in mind at this point is the one thing you don't want to do is jump out of the boat because that means instant death. You're, you're fearful when you're in the boat, but at least you don't die immediately. And that's what happened when you jump outside the boat and that you can jump out in many ways. You can jump out, uh, go into schism, you can become a heretic or you can get involved in sexual liberation. Now, what, what you didn't tell me, you didn't tell me how old you are. I a, year, a week ago I, I completed my my 56th anniversary. Close, congratulations! So <laughs> you. so you're uh, you're younger than I am. So I am. In, in 1974 I was living in Germany, and in 1974 I believe it was that year I started here uh, the news about Portugal. Yeah. Portugal was going through a revolution. Uh, Salazar had died. And now <clears throat> I remember all these Portuguese names. Kunal was the uh, communist at the time. And Mario Suarez was the middle of the road guy. And there was a big struggle <clears throat> about which way uh, Portugal was going to go. Now in 74, one country after another was going communist uh, throughout the world. It, it had a dramatic change uh, about 15 years later. But at that time, everything seemed to be going, heading toward communism. And that was the big concern. What did not make it into the news in Germany was at that point that Portugal had been flooded by pornography. Yeah. Uh, this ended up this ended up in Time magazine of all places. There was an article in Time magazine talking about this. And Time magazine, um, uh, I'm, I've mentioned it many times, was the 
uh, propaganda ministry for the CIA. There was a close connection between the CIA and Time magazine. It may not be the case anymore. Magazines are a kind of obsolete form of technology. But the man who did this was a guy by the name of Frank Carlucci. Frank Carlucci, was a, he was a CIA operative. He had been in Tanzania and was try, tried to overthrow Julius Nerera in Tanzania. And then he ended up in Portugal. And he basically flooded the country with pornography. The point of this was to get people off the streets, get people uh, involved. Uh, instead of protesting on the streets, you were supposed to, at that time, you had to buy pornographic magazines. They didn't have internet at that point. And you were supposed to go home, and that was supposed to isolate the population. So you were a guinea pig in an experiment that nobody told you about. So congratulations. Join the club. We are all guinea pigs, okay? I was a guinea pig. I'm an older guinea pig than you are. And also, uh, as I said, I was living in Germany at the time. And Germany had some of the biggest guinea pigs in the world because it was a conquered nation, uh, uh, conquered after World War II, subjected to the most ruthless form of social engineering ever exhibited on this earth. There was no restraint about what the United States could do to those people. Uh, the Jew, uh, Morgenthau, was going to starve the Germans to death over the winter of 1946-1947. The adults in the room uh, uh, came up with a different plan, the Marshall Plan, but the Marshall Plan was social engineering. They gave, put them money in the country, but they flooded Germany with pornography too. This was much earlier than Portugal. 20 years earlier than Portugal, the same thing happened in Germany. And, by, and, and so there was a Catholic Church resistance movement. Uh, it was similar to the Legion of Decency in the United States. It was called the Volkswagenbund. The, and uh, they were against Schmutz und Schund. I don't know whether you know the German language. I know plenty of Germans go to Portugal. Uh, uh, I, I've, I've been part of my work a few years ago. I was going to Germany about six times a year, and my daughter studied uh, German and been working already there. And I got a little bit in touch, but I don't speak the language very complicated for us. No, and you wouldn't understand the re schmutz und schund are they're kind of awkward, archaic terms to deal with pornography. So yeah. it would be like filth and smut. And over the course of the 1950s, they were subjected to this barrage of so-called science uh, in terms of sex. And the main man in this regard was Dr. Kinsey, Alfred Kinsey from the United States, who was considered a scientist. And the church basically became embarrassed by terms like schmutz und schund. Uh, because the other people, it, it, you have to remember now, this is a conquered country. If you want to publish a book or a magazine or uh, have a TV show or have a movie, you have to get a license from a representative of the United States government. And that representative was a Jew from New York City who was a psychiatrist. His name was David Mordecai Levy. And you had to go to him and tell him what a bad person you were because you were a German. And if you groveled sufficiently and talked a lot about guilt, you got a license and that meant you were controlled. And so the controlled press was in on the destruction of the moral fiber of the German people during this period of time. And the state of the art uh, uh, publication was the Illustrated Magazine. So I think Stern is probably still in existence. If you've seen Stern, it's the big one with all the pictures, unlike <laughs> Spiegel, which is the, the smaller one with uh, more, more uh, content. When I got there, I was at the high noon of that campaign. <clears throat> I saw one movie after another showing up in the local cinema aimed at teenage girls to corrupt the moral teenage girls. And, uh, it worked. It corrupted their morals. Uh, they were derailed. They are now a completely conquered people. Uh, and what I learned about uh, Germany and the United States uh, is what the Catholic Church said about France when they wrote their 
a series of articles, three articles at Civiltà Cattolica, came out in 1890, basically a retrospective on the French Revolution. What do we have to show for 100 years of revolution? And they said, basically, this is the Catholic Church, the official magazine of the Catholic Church. Any country which overturns the laws that will be created by that were created by Christian princes will be ruled by Jews. It's one of those things where you see it, and it's just one of those stunning statements, and you think, yes, that's true. It's true of France. It's true of Germany. It's true of the United States. Now, you can tell me whether you think it's true of Portugal. I think it's the same thing, although Portugal is a poor country, as, as, as on, even on the, on the European Union. And that, that, in the beginning, we all thought we were going to be, at least we were going to be some, somehow, at least half rich as, as, as France as, or as Germany. But, but in the course of, of all these decades, by being in the European Union, we understood that this was good for the politicians because everything was started to be controlled by the European Union. And, right. and, and in, in the top of all that, in 2011, we were, we were, we were helped, we, we, we went bankruptcy. And, right. Okay. And there were all these uh, Troika uh, coming here to Portugal, namely the, 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 the uh, EMF, the, 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 the Central European Bank, and until today, and now we are all in these lockdowns just to receive the money that it's going to flow from 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 the the central Europe, the European Central Bank, and Portugal. Guess what? Was the first country to fulfill the papers to receive that <laughs> that help right. coming from from Europe. So, but Dr. Jones, I was trying to get your perspective. On, on, on the, on the, on the things we are living today about, about, about the way that we can, we can gather all the things we learn on, on the, on the, on the Catholic principles. Let's sort of speak of Christian principles, the, 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 the teachings of Jesus Christ in the Bible. What can we do with all that, and, 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 and put it on? And working with with all that, facing this this crisis we are living now. Yes. Now, the the problem <laughs> is that the church. I don't, it, I don't think it's a complicated answer, Doctor Joe. It is complicated. The problem <laughs> is that the church has never recognized uh, the existence of psychological warfare. The church has been the victim of psychological warfare since. Uh, the end of World War II, the CIA has been waging war against psychological warfare. They created the term psychological warfare, and they've been using it against the, church, the Catholic Church since the 1950s. And the church still is not aware of what psychological warfare is. They do not have that term. They do not understand that term. And because they do not understand that term, what, what, let me let me define it first. What is psychological warfare? It is the prohibition of unauthorized speech among subject peoples. Okay. Now, that means that the main antidote to psychological warfare is communication okay. among subject peoples. So, to the extent that you belong to a subject people, you are you do you're. A, we're Portuguese. Portugal is a vassal state to Germany, and Germany is a vassal state to the United States of America. And Germany will lend you money, and you will go into debt, and they will control you through that. And they will control your politicians. And the main crisis from a political point of view facing the world right now is that uh, the crisis of representative government. Because basically, given the money that certain groups have concentrated in their hands through usury, uh, they can buy politicians. And so the politicians invariably represent the people that, who give them money, and they do not represent the people that they claim to represent. As a problem across, no matter where you are in the world, that's the problem. 
That is the problem right now. It's a crisis of representative government. In what, in, in what regards to, to, let's say, Catholic countries, the Vatican has been, in a sense, accused of being in allegiance with all, with all this. Do you agree? Okay. So before, at the time of Salazar and Franco, okay. both Portugal and Spain uh, uh, had, the, the, the Catholic Church was the established religion of those countries. Because of advice they had, Franco had advice from Opus Dei advisors who told him that it was no longer tenable. They abandoned that, and as a result, the Spain and Portugal went down the drain, okay, morally. Because if the church is not the established church, that there is no one to defend the moral law against the rich. The rich do not like the moral law. Because they can do whatever they want, uh, uh, but the only defense that normal people have is to start for you to say, it's wrong. What you're doing is wrong. You may have money, but it's wrong, and we will persuade the government to convince you that it's wrong, and we will pass laws that will limit the power of the rich and the powerful. I grew, I grew up uh, hearing my parents, my ancestors, saying that the church was the side the rich people, Dr. John. It's always a danger, isn't it? <laughs> always a danger. Okay. It's always a danger because you're always going to have a church that is uh, administered by sinful men. And sinful men always want uh, their own power and pleasure. Uh, oh, they will put that over principle. So, but I mean, to get to the current state of the church, uh, the, the manifestation of this, uh, let's say, is the COVID crisis. Okay. Now, you... What, what, what is the main problem here with the church's response? The main problem is that the church accepts the definition of a vaccine that they've been given by Big Pharma. Okay. So they build the, the moral theologian will build his argument upon a term called vaccine, which is not true. That's not what this is. It's a different type of it's a different type of uh, manipulation of your of your body's DNA to produce antibodies, which is not what a vaccine is. So the, the, because the church does not understand psychological warfare, it doesn't understand how these techniques can be used against it, and it falls into the trap, which is in which is in right now. So the the Vatican is now. Do you think the church doesn't understand or some people on high positions on the church don't want to understand this or face well, it? Now you're, go you're going to have to, you're asking me to comment on individuals. I have to comment on individuals to say that. And that's often difficult because I don't understand enough about their background or what's going on in their minds or hearts. So it's difficult to contemplate, to, to explain. But there are basically two, two options. Either you're wicked or you're stupid. And it's usually a combination of the, uh, those two things. So as you're getting into Vatican finance, it looks like wickedness to me. Uh, these, these things are going to be sorted out in uh, probably legal cases. But it looks to me, for example, that there was a cardinal bitchu in uh, in, in the Vatican, who sent uh, a, a million dollars to Australia to uh, get false witnesses to condemn Cardinal Pell because Cardinal Pell was going to uh, uh, ask for reform of the Vatican Bank. Uh, that will be that's the situation as I understand it. We'll see what happens in the courts, uh, but that's wickedness. But there is an element of uh, ignorance here, and I think a, 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 an example. My prime example is is uh, Pope Benedict uh, the Sixteenth uh, grew up as Joseph Ratzinger in Bavaria, which is a Catholic country, um, under the, the the regime of social engineering that I mentioned at the beginning of our discussion, and I think he was affected by it because I think he he was brainwashed by the American propaganda into thinking that America was somehow some benign state and, and uh, had some type of benign form of government. I, I don't think that's the case. I think he was completely naive. He said this as late as 
uh, there's a uh, was a synod. I believe it was right before he became pope. So I think we're talking about 2003, 2004, around this era, where he's talking about what it was like to uh, grow up at the time or be at the council at the Vatican Council. And this is where he mentioned America as the alternative. He, he was talking about propaganda from Time magazine. He had been influenced by that propaganda. And so as a result, he simply wasn't aware of the danger. I think that's ignorance there on his part. Uh, and because he wasn't aware of the danger, he couldn't propose uh, a successful alternative in dealing with it. I think that's the mate more i think there's more ignorance here than there is wickedness and i think that the ignorance revolves around precisely what we're talking about so your uh, main duty or job or opportunity is to uh, break the ban on communication that's what you have to do you have to start there by talking to people and proposing some type of logical alternative to the propaganda that they're being subjected to and create a kind of consensus among the people who, uh, who who you can influence. That's what I've been doing, but I'm gathering enemies each time. Each time I I, I break that that barrier of communication. Well, you can't you can't expect to say stuff like this and not create enemies. I mean, I'm living proof of that. Yeah. But the point here is that every every time uh, the Jews ban me. They're admitting that they can't contradict my arguments, mm -hmm. and the more and and more and more people are coming around. So they can. There's a momentary setback when you have to move from one platform to the other, but over the big, if you look at the big picture, you know the the curve goes like that, but it keeps going up, yeah. In spite of dips here and there, and you, what you realize is there is a larger and larger group of people now throughout the world, throughout the world who understand what I'm talking about. And I wrote uh, Logos Rising because I had traveled all around the world and I wanted to have some type of uh, intellectual framework that would allow me to talk to everyone, to everyone. Because, you know, English, we're speaking English. It's the language of the American Empire, which is a wicked operation. But the, the Roman Empire was wicked in its way and so was the Greek Empire. But what these empires do is they spread language which is the fundamental basis of Logos. And the fundamental project of Logos is speech and talking to each other. So we have this advantage. We have technology. We have a universal language. And now all we need are the concepts that will uh, organize people's uh, understanding. And I think Logos is the fundamental concept that under, uh, will organize people's understanding. And I think it's happening. It's happening all across the world. I have now two books in Portuguese that were published in Brazil, uh, Libido okay. Dominante okay. and Degenerate Moderns. Okay. Uh, and they're both in Portuguese. You can mention this to your friends uh, in, in Portugal and say that these are available. You uh, understood the crucial uh, point that Libido Dominante made. Sexual liberation is a form of political control. The yep. So the internet woke up to that fact in 2019, the same year you did. There was a whole protest against pornography by people I'm, who understood I'm, that it was a trap. I'm, I'm aware of it. Right. So because I'm saying, that I'm, all I'm saying is that that book is now available in in Portuguese, so you can mention it to your to your people there. Uh, it's also available in Polish. And uh, that happened before, and the, the net result of that book being available in Polish is that we stopped gay marriage in Poland. It never passed. We, we, it was a, uh, we blocked gender ideology, and because, because of that victory, the Polish, uh, Polish parliament is now defending the Polish people against internet deplatforming. You can look at the other way. You can look at, it goes the other direction too. You can look at what happened in Ireland. Ireland went in the exact opposite direction. They had their pro-gay marriage referendum and then they had their pro-abortion uh, referendum. And now they, they render themselves completely defenseless. 
The Irish people now are defenseless against their own government, which is now imposing this ruthless lockdown on Ireland. And guess what? The Irish can't go to church anymore. Catholic country, and they can't go to church because the government is powerful enough to shut down the churches because of those two referenda. You see, you see, this is the way things go now. This is the way things are going. And so the, the, main, the other main issue that we have to talk about here is identity theft, which happened in Ireland. So what, uh, but it's, it's a bigger issue in Scandinavia. So what happened is Scandinavia is Protestant uh, area. The Lutheran church simply evaporated at some time during the 21st century. It stopped being the official church of Norway uh, uh, in recently and Sweden as well. This created a vacuum. This was their identity. They had a language, uh, the Scandinavian language, uh, Swedish or Norwegian, and they were Lutherans. And that was their identity. One of those pillars was simply kicked out. And so they don't know they're having identity crisis. So my friend Frody Mitjord, uh, who was trying to arrange this debate in Zagreb, it was supposed to happen about a year ago, uh, now thinks he's white. Why are you white, Frody? Why are you white? Are you white? Are the Portuguese white? Uh, this is ridiculous. It's, it's all you're saying is that you have a lack of identity. And this lack of identity is now worse in Protest, formerly Protestant countries because the church has evaporated. And that is the advantage that places like Portugal have because they're Catholic countries. I have, I have translated an article of yours uh, referring to this subject in on Facebook, and people call me crazy. Look, they're going to call you crazy until they wake up one day and say, no, he was right. So the fact that they're calling you crazy is a good sign. I, it's I, a good, I it's a good, it's a good sign because at least they're thinking about what you said. And yeah. then what will happen is something like a paradigm shift. And suddenly that will make more sense than the conventional narrative because the conventional narrative is struggling right now. It's what, struggling. What, what has been the feedback you have receiving from this new book of yours, this um, Logos Rising? Can you talk, tell us about it? Because uh, maybe, maybe the timing was not the best because of this pandemic that probably have, has overturned a little bit this, this uh, edition, Dr. Jones. No, it, I don't think the, I think the pandemic was good for the book because people had to stay home and they had to read and you can order it on the Internet. So it was there was no distractions. You know, it was a good time to read uh, to read the book on, on, on Logos. Uh, I, I just did a, a, a um, keynote speech to a, a university in Nairobi in Kenya about Logos in Africa. Uh, I. I've gotten responses from all over the world. I have a people who are translating into Japanese now. I, I, I was hoping to, to have discussions in Iran, but they're on war footing and I haven't been there for a while. So it's, it's, it's a discussion that's taking place all over the world right now. Uh, people are converting as a result of it. Some people, sometimes there's, uh, there's pushback, you know, there res there's resistance. They accept the idea of logos, but they don't want to take it to its logical conclusion. But this is the, the, the discussion is forming around this concept because it's a basic concept. And we need this basic concept as part of our resistance against social engineering. A lot of what is in Logos Rising is about science as a kind of false substitute for logos. We're watching that happen in our day. Right now, we're watching, it's, uh, we're watching a situation where if you walked out of your house and got hit by a truck, people would say you died of COVID. But if, but if you get a vaccine and drop dead within a day, people, well, the same authorities will say there's no connection whatsoever. Now, that is, go that is going to shake people's faith in science, and science is the main competitor to Logos in the world we live live in, and it's being it's destroying itself. It's destroying itself. Dr. Jones, do you think 
Do you think the Jesuits control the Jews? This is an opinion of a friend of mine that belongs into a Protestant church. No, the Jews control the Jesuits. <laughs> Why? Because the Jesuits uh, became Americans. Meaning? This, meaning uh, over the course of the 20... First of all, there's always been a problem in America. Pope Leo XIII wrote an encyclical against what he called Americanism, which is basically the idea that American principles are going to uh, reform the church. Okay, uh, that was, he was right. That, and it became a much more serious problem after World War II. Because at that point, you have the rise of the American empire and you have ambitious people who want to rise with the American empire. And so Americanism led the Jesuits to the situation where they basically support everything that the regime does, and that's what they do. They're controlled by, uh, well, I mean, the world is controlled by the American empire. So the Jesuits are close to the empire, so a seat of the empire power, like Georgetown University in Washington, D.C. is a Jesuit university. During the 1960s, the Jesuits supported the oligarchic initiative to undermine the church's teaching on birth control. And as a result, Georgetown was rewarded by being made a feeder school for the State Department, and that meant for the CIA. Before that, the only school you could go to if you wanted to get into those operations was Yale University, which is an Ivy League school. But now it was Georgetown because the Jesuits were rewarded for subverting the church's teaching on contraception. That led to the situation we're in today where the Jesuits are the main promoters of homosexuality in the Catholic Church and the main promoters of other oligarchic in, uh, initiatives. So we now have a situation where you've got a Jesuit as Pope. Well, who's he going to go to to delegate? You can't run the church by yourself. Who are you going to turn to? Well, you're going to turn to your order and those are the people that are in bed with the oligarchs. So the net result is they're going to have a conference on COVID and they're inviting Anthony Fauci to speak at the Vatican. This is preposterous. This is completely preposterous. It's like, uh, it's like well, we're going to have a conference on racism and we're going to invite Adolf Hitler to be the keynote speaker on racism. No, that's the problem. How how are you going to deal with this problem? They don't think it's a problem anymore. This is this was the initiative of Pope Francis. He was tired of these confrontations over issues like abortion. So he basically said, let's let's just declare uh, uh, the war over and make our enemies our friends. Well, it does it's not that simple. So he's basically invited the oligarchs in to help him run the church. That's a disaster. It's been a disaster. Okay, uh, Dr. Jones, and do you think uh, I'm, I got I, I told this friend of mine I was going to talk with you and um, he left me a some sort of message. Uh, basically something like throughout history, I, I got it here written, the Christian church has moved away from the teachings of God, imposing human traditions instead of the law of God. Examples, Sunday instead of the Saturday, which he, he believes it's a big, a big uh, issue. Sure. Uh, processions, images of saints, confessions to priests, celibacy of priests, the baptism of babies by sprinkling, right. and not believers by immersion, the Inquisition, country reform, order of Jesuits, and so on. Right. And so your friend, your friend is a Judaizing Protestant. <laughs> it's perfectly clear. He has Jude been, and, and Judaizing Protestantism is one of the favorite projects of the American empire. They love to spread these ideas through Catholic countries in South America and the, uh, therefore Portugal and Spain as well, because that was the source of their culture down there. So it's very simple. Your friend's a Judaizer and a Protestant. Do you want to go along with that religion, that that carnal religion? Yeah, you know, well, feel free. I just like, I just, no, I just like to talk to people to know what they think and what. No, I, I know exactly what he thinks. You know, I know exactly what he thinks. You, you this is the, the situation in Brazil. This is a good example. 
because they they have you have either Lula or Bolsonaro. Mm-hmm. So you got a communist or you have a neocon. Well, you're getting two different forms of Judaism when you do this. You know, the neocon is the now the Likudnik. He's a good friend of uh, uh, Benjamin Netanyahu. Uh, and the Lula side, they're, they're Marxists, and that's, that's a Jewish operation too. So it's either, it's either uh, Trotsky or um, who was the head of Zionism. Uh, the, his name escapes me. Uh, anyway, it's either it's either communist, it's either Jewish internationalism, which is communism, or it's Jewish nationalism, which is Zionism, and you have some religious sects who align themselves with these two uh, Jewish movements. So the Anabaptist, your friend is an Anabaptist, evidently. This was a revolutionary movement in Germany during the 16th century. It was they were Judaizers, unlike Luther, who was not a Judaizer. Yeah, I, I mean, so so I could yeah, I recommend that you give your tell your friend to read the Jewish revolutionary spirit, because I deal with the historical development of all of these things from the beginning, this Judaizing tendency, which always leads to revolution one way or another. OK, I think you will hear this conversation of ours. Do you believe in it in, in aliens, the ETs, Dr. Jones, life in other uh, forms of life in other planets? Yes, they're called angels. Yeah? Angels. Okay. Angels, uh, uh, according to Aristotle, push the planets. They are the, they are the, the source of motion. We don't believe in that. But we're, there are alien life forms, and they're called angels. If you're asking me if there are little green men on Mars, no. The answer is no. If you're asking me, do I believe in unidentified flying objects? The answer is no. I've seen no persuasive reason to believe in that. If you're asking me why people believe in these things, it's because they don't understand what angels are. So there is, there seems to be, in order to have a complete universe, you gener- to have a balanced universe, you have to have some type of creature that is between God and man. Uh, so a rational creature without a body because the universe is unbalanced without it. I think these people understand that, and that's why they go for this science fiction Star Wars version of that. But in the Bible says that in my father's house are many mansions, Dr. John. That's right. How about it? <laughs> yes, I believe that. But, but So there is a kind of pluralism within the church. Uh, and you can uh, explain that in any number of different ways. Yeah, okay. So I'd like to, to, to talk to you uh, now about um, about the sanctuary, uh, which it is uh, about an hour by car uh, from my from my the place where I live. Uh, it's uh, a church of uh, the Saint um, Benedict. Okay. Uh, okay. So here in Portugal, in the Portuguese language, when we have some elder person that it's very that we care about, that it's very cherished, let's say, we used to we used to add an inyo inyo in the end. If if I was if we if we were if we were you, I would say Doctor Michael Inyo. You understand? So for us, this Saint Benedict, it's Saint Benedict Inyo. Okay. You understand? Yes. So it's some Benedictino from the open door. Okay. So people, uh, even even in nowadays, but more when I was a kid, when people got warts on their hands, uh, like verrucas or something. Do you understand that? Yeah. Sure. Uh, people didn't use uh, at least uh, years years before didn't use. When when the people go to the doctors to 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 treat this, the medicine the the the, the, the um, chemical medicines didn't used to work. So people used to ask help to this to this saint, and often these words would would disappear in the course of of a week after this the, the people ask ask for help. Okay. So there's a small curiosity in here. Sometimes it didn't work at, at the, the, the youngest ones. 
And the, the, the older ones who used to, to give this advice uh, would say something like, don't worry, I will ask in your behalf. Are you following, doctor? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So, uh, when this old, uh, these other people make this request, uh, this often used to work. And these people used to say, this person used to, used to tell the other one, it didn't work with you because you don't have faith. Okay? Okay. One of these days I was talking about a lady. She has, she have, she has done this, all this procedure, let's say. And um, after the, the, this person is, let's say, attended, uh, usual people offer a dozen of carnation into into in, goes to the sanctuary and uh, make some prayers and give this twelve uh, carnation to to the church the saint let's say yeah so this lady was with this uh, twelve carnation and when she is leaving the car one of them got stuck when she was closing the door of the car okay okay so she was. She got a little bit nervous and trembling, doctor, because she told me she had decided to defy this, let's say, law that that ancients was brought to us, meaning that it it would have to be that this dozen carnation and no more, no less. So this lady uh, decided to defy this this uh, this norm. She she took thirteen. 13 cloves of carnation and one of them coincidentally or not got stuck in this door when she was when she was uh, closing the door yes okay what do you, what do you make of this dr jones what what can how can we explain all this let's say mystery okay if you're talking about uh, faith uh jesus christ himself said that uh he went to some town and he couldn't perform miracles because people lack faith. Okay, so that that seems like a sound principle. Uh, but when you're in a situation like this, uh, it seems to me that the people have faith because otherwise, otherwise they wouldn't go to these places of pilgrimage in the first place. So they do have faith. So if it doesn't work then, then it's probably because God has another plan or God God sees some purpose in this thing that you don't see. Usually the purpose is purpose of suffering. So when you're ill and you pray to God and you don't get what you want, God usually has a plan uh, for the suffering because the suffering needs to purify you. So I just had a, 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 similar, a situation here where uh, a man here in town was unjustly uh, sent to prison. Uh, and he was in prison. Uh, he was praying. He was a religious man praying in prison. Lord, why did you do this to me? And he got the revelation. He said, uh, he, he kept saying, God, I'm innocent. Well, he was innocent of what he was charged. But God says, well, you did a lot of other things uh, for which you should be in jail anyway. And I'm going to keep you here because it's for your own good and you will serve me in prison. And that's at a certain point, the man said uh, what Joseph said uh, the, to his persecutors, to the, to the crooked mayor and the crooked district attorney, the Senate, put him in jail unjustly. He said, the evil that you have done to me has been turned by God's, uh, by God's power into good. That is the course of human history. That is the purpose of human suffering. That is why God allows human suffering because he sees that some good could come out of it. So to say to someone, simply because you didn't get the outcome you wanted, that uh, you lack faith is not right. It's not right to say that because uh, God uses things that are unpleasant to bring up because oftentimes the only thing that can save you is some type of suffering. And that was certainly the case in this man. And certainly the, one of the most commonest forms of suffering is illness. And so God uses illness, even though it's evil, to bring about a greater good. Now, all this type of stuff can get ritualized and concretized. 
especially in a, in a traditional culture like Portugal, where you've been living certain, this group of people have been living here for a long time and they develop traditions and the traditions become very specific. So it's 12 carnations uh, as opposed to 11 or 13. And you can some, that can somehow uh, become an object of itself and that can uh, tend, it can lend itself to superstition. That, that's possible. But I'm not going to uh, deny, it's not my job to overturn the altars of these traditional devotions because I'm the guy who understands uh, uh, Logos and you don't. That's not the way it works. That's not the way the tradition works. These things need to be purified over time, but they don't need to be destroyed. Speaking of which, I was at Fatima uh, in the early 1980s. And I saw that as a shrine uh, of actual, an actual event of God intervening in human history through the Blessed Mother, actual event, actual event dealing with uh, 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 an actual problem, namely communism, the rise of communism in 1917, the fall of Russia to the Bolsheviks. But that can be perverted as well. And it has been perverted in our day, and I've fought against it uh, in the pages of Culture Wars magazine, because what arose at a certain point that, that, that was what I call Fatima fundamentalism. So what do I mean by that? Uh, the Blessed Mother said to the children, Russia will spread her errors. And so in the early, uh, let's say around the 2000, the year 2000, they say the 1990s, this message was being manipulated by the neoconservatives in the Catholic Church as a pretext for an attack on Russia, as if to say there's something intrinsically wrong with Russians. That was not the message of Fatima. The message of Fatima had to do with communism. And uh, there were certain uh, prescriptions, consecrations that were supposed to take place. And there was a big dispute over whether they took place actually or according to the program and so on and so forth. But I think the net result was that uh, Russia did convert. It's now a Christian country. It is certainly not a communist country anymore. And that uh, the Fatima was fulfilled. And because it was fulfilled, the age is over. I'm saying that the age is over. And that gets a lot of people upset. But uh, I think that that's a, a legitimate devotion. And I also think it was perverted by people who had an agenda. How will God still... Uh be in control of the human history. How do you think? What do you think will will happen in the future with with this uh, pandemic? The pandemic is an attempt to impose control over the entire Earth in a way that is uh, reminiscent of the uh, book of the apocalypse. There are certain there are people. I we just uh, I met a man in Argentina who's convinced that we're in the end times and that there's basically nothing that we can do. So he's not doing anything. And uh, I was there when I was there. I was uh, I had just gotten a letter from Poland, an email from Poland in which the man wrote to me and said, because of the translation of um, libido dominandi into Polish, we had uh, stopped gay marriage in Poland. So I told them this. I told them, I said, this just happened here. You're, I'm fighting this battle. I'm fighting the culture wars. And you're saying uh, it's over and uh, I need your help. I said, you're like Denethor. If you remember the Lord of the Rings, Denethor was the uh, regent in charge of Minas Tirith, which was really Vienna. Uh, Tolkien had Vienna in mind there. And the Turks had surrounded Vienna and they were blowing up the wall. Uh, that surrounded the place because they had superior artillery. The Turks had superior artillery to the Austrians at this point in human history. And the, the artillery was blowing up the walls and they were, uh, the wall had collapsed. And there's, there's the Turks and there are the Austrians. And the battle came down to, are you going to stand in the breach? Are you going to stand there knowing that this is a, a, a serious battle, knowing that you may lose but still fighting to the end, giving everything you have. Well, because those men stood in the breach, they gained enough time 
for the Polish cavalry to arrive. The Polish cavalry came down the hill. They attacked the Turks from the rear. They completely destroyed the Turk uh, offensive and they saved the city of Vienna. It all came down to those people standing in the breach. Now, we don't know, you know, we don't know how effective our actions are going to be. But we I think we do notice that we don't act uh, that will uh, guarantee the success of the other side. So that's that's the position that I've taken. I'm going to stand in the breach. It may be the end times or it may not be. But I'm, I think my job is to stand in the breach and fight this battle. That That's 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 the way I see. That's the way I see human history. I mean, I was, I was, uh, so I'll give you another uh, indication. That I did a little video on this, but I was taking a walk in May. This is the COVID lockdown is in force. Everybody's going crazy because they're locked inside. I'm out taking a walk. And this woman, black woman comes up to me and she says, uh, she's going to kill herself. She said, do you have a cell phone? I said, I don't have a cell phone. I'm going to, I'm going to kill myself because nobody loves me. And she then jumped over the railing and was standing ready to jump into the St. Joseph River which was flooding at that point. She would have drowned. So uh, I said to her, I said, God has a plan for your life. And to make a long story short, the police arrived and eventually I had talked to her long enough and she got back. Now there are two, two aspects here. There is a kind of predestination involved here that from all eternity, I was predestined to meet this woman. If I if I had left my house 10 minutes earlier or 10 minutes later, we wouldn't have met. But so and she was predestined to meet me from all eternity. That was part of God's plan. But when we got to each other. It all depended on free will. Because I could have said, no, sorry, and just kept on walking. And she could have said, OK, and she could have jumped in the river. But neither one of us did that because both of us chose the better alternative. And as a result, uh, she's alive. I don't know what happened to her, but I assume she's alive today. That explains to you, it seems to me, one of the fundamental issues uh, about human history and about the relation of human history to God. We are predetermined. We are part of a plan that is already over because it's, in God's mind, it's an eternity. So it's already complete. It's like a big tapestry that's already complete. But all of the actions on that came down to some type of free will or the interaction between God's power and our free will. Mm -hmm. Was Martin Luther predestined to be a pimp? <laughs> no. I heard you. <laughs> he, thinks, he thinks he did. See, th he, he made the mistake of denying free will. And he denied free will. I've, this is in my book, Degenerate Moderns, which is available in Portuguese. Tell your friends it's available in Portuguese yeah. so they yeah. can read the whole thing. Uh, and he denied free will because he couldn't accept moral responsibility for his bad actions. Uh, what were his bad actions? He broke with the church. Uh, and then he broke his vows as a as a monk when he married, uh, ran off with that nun, Katharina uh, von Bora. So the worst thing you can do is make a principle out of your vices, which is exactly what he did. He rationalized his vices. And as a result, he could never repent. And I think if you never repent, uh, you can't go to heaven. So he's not a saint. I'm sure of that. You also, I also hear, heard you uh, saying that Luther King, Martin Luther uh, was a pimp, Churchill was a pawn of the Jews. Do you have something to say about Gandhi or Nelson Mandela that contradicts the way people used to read so no, good? No, I'm, I'm not in the business of, you know, goring sacred cows. That's not my job. I, I mentioned those things, those people, because they were important. I, I don't have anything to say about Nelson Mandela uh, at all. Don't know enough about him. And in terms of Gandhi, all I know is that he was uh, influential in uh, in the life of Martin Luther King. And I had to have things to say about Martin Luther King. I think Gandhi was influential in other ways because uh, I, I, when I tried to explain to the East Africans 
how their culture is being destroyed by cheap clothing. It was Gandhi who understood the way English cheap cotton could destroy the economy of India. And so he carried his own little spinning wheel around with him to encourage people to. But no, I'm not in the business of goring, uh, of, of slaughtering sacred cows. That's not my business. It, sometimes it happens, but that's not the main point of what I'm trying to do. Okay. Are you prepared to learn the, the, the Chinese language? No, no, no one's. I asked my Iranian friends and they're not going to learn Chinese either. So if they're not going to learn it, I'm not going to learn it. I would like to go to China. I would like to speak to the Chinese. I ask, I'm asking because you said that the empire spread uh, language and we are in, in, in the doors of, of, I don't know, China will become the next empire. Are you like, are you like Montenegro? As Portugal, like Montenegro, do you know what I'm talking about? The Montenegrins uh, allow the Chinese to build a road, a tunnel, uh, and now they're in debt, and they want the European Union to help pay off the debt. China will try and get involved uh, the, in your country. Italy has a China problem. They have Chinese slave workers in Italy so that they can put Made in Italy labels on the, the clothes that they make in their sweatshop. China uh, is... Is that, uh, are you, it will, is trying to unite the Eurasian landmass. They will not be a global empire. They've never been a global empire. They had Chinese junks, uh, these ships that never went anywhere. It was the Portuguese who were the first people to sail to yeah. China. The Chinese did not sail to Portugal. The Portuguese sailed to, to China and to India. I've been in Goa. I've been in Goa. I've seen uh, St. Francis uh, Xavier, the, his still-preserved corpse. Why, what's the difference between the Portuguese and the Chinese? I think it's Christianity. The Indians were afraid to go on the ocean. They were afraid to go. So you had the, the Portuguese, a seafaring country, uh, who believed in Logos, who had the Logos incarnate as the basis of their religion, and that gave them confidence to sail around the world. No one else ever did that before before Vasco da Gama did it. And I think it was Christianity that gave him the courage, his faith, to do that. That's why I don't believe the, 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 these days generations would, would have done the same. You mean now in Portugal? Yeah, now the Portuguese, I don't believe we would, we would with this kind of Portuguese surrendering to, to, to the to the mandatory mask using to to all these right. okay. we would we wouldn't do the same thing okay to the, the, it's very simple to the extent that Portugal moves away from the Catholic Church to that extent they lose their power they lose the the daring that they had when they were the world's premier explorers they lose all of that to the extent that you move away from Logos, you will not have the courage to undertake great adventures like there, that. There's, there's also in that facade. There's also the, 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 the theft that, that that has been throughout all those countries to Dr. John. The what? Say, say that again. I didn't understand what you said. At the same time that the Portuguese sail all these difficult corners on the in the on, on the oceans. There was always there was the the, the theft too the, for, of the Portuguese f throughout all these places on, on those people. You're talking about colonialism. Yes. You're talking about the theft. Let, let's don't be too hard on yourself. You were better <laughs> than the English. You were better than the English. There was no no Catholic country was as bad as the English or the Dutch. And Brazil, uh, what, uh, let's, look, let's look at Brazil, the, the colonies that the Jesuits created in Paraguay uh, were brilliant. They were absolutely, they were an alternative to capitalism. I deal with this in my book, Baron Metal, and they were destroyed by the Freemasons. It was the Marquis de Pombal and the Duke expelled, de Choiseul. Who expelled the Jesuits from? They expelled the Jesuits, but they were also behind the suppression of the of the Jesuit colonies, the Jesuit relations uh, reductions in Paraguay. They were behind it. So this has been so it's it's convenient to blame uh, the church, but it's not that way. It's the opposite of the church. All of Latin America has the same problem. It's Freemasonry. 
these these Masonic uh, liberation movements created by people like Bolivar, uh, or the, in Mexico is the classic example of a country that's run by Freemasons to the detriment of the Catholic people. They are suffering that way to this day. Portugal's no example, no exception. France, another example of the same thing. I'd like to hear your um, idea that there is an untold story uh, about feminism, Dr. John. Feminism? Yes, I, you, 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 you talk, I heard you talk about it uh, some years ago, maybe some two years ago in the beginning, I, I, I began to hear you that feminism has brought to, to the market, have double the, 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 the labor, let's say, available. Oh, oh, oh the, the story, the real story of feminism. Yeah, that yeah, was the, the, Rockefeller, the Rockefellers understood. The, the oligarchs always want to drive down wages. So the simplest way to drive down wages to, is to increase the workforce. So with feminism, you double the workforce. Well, if you double the workforce, you cut wages in half. That was the whole point of feminism. It's very simple. It's very simple. It was an, I, and it was also, there's a Jewish element to this. The, the feminine, like Betty Friedan, her name, maiden name was Goldstein, and she was a member of the Communist Party. So she just took class conflict and brought it into the family. And now you have family conflict between male and female. And that's a way of dividing people. So whenever you divide the majority, the minority profits, and the Jews are always a minority in any country where they live, and they always profit from these divisive uh, revolutionary movements. That's what feminism was. That's what it was. And homosexuality is still the... the um the ideal citizen uh, these it's days. A, yes, right. And that's the logical uh, uh, the, the sequel to feminism. It's now homosexuality. Now it's gender, transgenderism. And at this point, they've lost all contact with reality. And so you have this fat Jew by the name of Rachel Levine who thinks he's a woman and we're supposed to pretend that she's good. he's good looking. or something. It's ridiculous. It's not going to work. And that's why the overt forms of control are becoming more and more obvious now, like the lockdown, like uh, banning, deplatforming, like uh, uh, all, all sorts of things. It's much more obvious. Once, once they have to become that overt, it's a sign that they've lost their, per, their control of the mind. Once you have to impose these by force, it's a sign you're losing the, 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 uh, the allegiance of the, of the governed. And that, that will not last over the long haul. Listen, it's been good. I, I got to get off. I got to okay. do something else. Okay. Okay. We've, been, we've been on for an hour. Okay. Uh, and I've, I, 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 I'm grateful that we had this conversation. Okay. I will put links on, on, on the end, on, on, the, on, the, on, the, on the publishing. The, the, on the okay. Internet. That's right. Go to, go to culturewars.com. Okay. okay. Thank, Thank you, you very much. Yeah, bye. Okay, bye-bye.